Well, good morning. It's good to be here. Um, normally, if I'm in mission, like I live in Surrey, normally if I'm in mission, I'm on my way to go camping or mountain biking. I'm just driving through. So it's good to actually be here at church with you this morning. And I'm excited to see what God has for us this morning. Uh, I've been a youth and young adults pastor for quite a few years. And so you get into the habit of sneaking in dad jokes and some words like lit, except that lit only old people say now. Uh, so I'm going to try to keep that out, but something might sneak in there. I'm just warning you. And the dad jokes, I feel like, are fair now. I'm a dad. Uh, I've got a one-and-a-half-year-old and another one on the way. So it comes naturally now. But that being said, I'm really excited that we get to continue in this series, Jesus Plus Nothing, seeing what Paul shares with the church in Galatia, in the book of Galatians, and what he, we've kept that book that letter that Paul wrote for 2,000 years, because we think that that letter continues to speak to us. The words that Paul wrote 2,000 years ago still apply to the church here and now today. So I'm excited to take a look at that. Um, we'll be looking at Galatians 5, verses 1 to 12. Uh, so let's just look at it and see what's going on here. A little bit of context. Um, the church, even... When the church start, first started off 2,000 years ago, there were politics, um, there were arguments, and so Paul's addressing some of the church politics going on, some of the arguments going on, um, and, and he's talking about freedom in Christ in that context. And so you'll see him being a little defensive of certain uh, views and of himself because he's got some attacks coming at him, but that's just a little bit of why he's phrasing things the way he is. So let's look at this, starting in verse 1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation of the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God, if you're trying to have a right relationship with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we, who live by the Spirit, eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised. What is, is important is faith expressing itself in love. You are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. So, dear brothers and sisters... Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if, you were still, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Okay, that got a little harsh at the end. That's a long passage. It's a big piece of scripture, and there's a lot going on there. But I think as we dig into it, God's going to bring out some truth, and he's going to guide us into what he has for us to be living out in our community, in our church, in our families right now. But before we dig in, let's pray together. 
Lord, thank you that you continue to speak to us. You continue to work in our lives. That you're faithful as we open up scripture, as we read it, uh, as we look for your guidance, that you, you encourage us. Uh, sometimes you challenge us and you say, hey, here's a place I want you to grow. Sometimes you comfort us. And we're thankful for what you're going to speak into our lives today. The way that you're going, we're going to walk out of here different. We're going to be transformed by what you speak as we humbly listen. Your name, amen. So oftentimes when I read a passage, I start to see what God's speaking through it. I find that the easiest way to start to latch on to that is to kind of attach a story to it. So this morning I'm going to start with a story that may seem a bit irrelevant, but as we spend time in it, I think we'll start to connect the dots and go, oh, okay, that's why Michael's talking about this crazy topic. So some of you guys probably remember when you got your license, when you first got your license to drive a car. A few of you might still be looking forward to that day, but most of us remember that time that we got our license, and you feel that freedom. But there's two parts to the freedom of having a license. You have the license to drive a car, but then you also have to have the car. And there's also insurance and gas and everything else. And I remember when I first got my license, I got the privilege of driving what my family called the Scout. I think there's a photo of it that we can pull up. Um, we'd owned the Scout for a long time. It was like this farm truck that we had. And it was interesting because you go to drive the Scout. And you're like, I have so much freedom. You go to drive the Scout. You get in it. You put the key in. Actually, you didn't even have to use a key. But you turn the ignition, and it doesn't turn on. No, you have to like pump the gas pedal about five times and then turn the ignition and then and it'll roar to life. But then if you don't stay in the gas, then it'll die again on you. And you got to get it warmed up. And then I also somehow, without braking, I learned how to drive manual in there and do the whole clutch and shift thing. And so you get into the gear and you start going down the road, but it's not a good, but you're not like happily on your way yet. Because when you go to steer the Scout, there's something loose in the steering. So you try to drive in a straight line, but instead it was like, it would start to just drift towards the ditch. And so you turn and then you start drifting towards the middle of the road and, so, and you're just doing this. And so you could write like a whole instruction manual, a whole book, a whole set of rules for how to drive the Scout. It was a process. I loved it because it gave me the freedom of getting to drive and hang out with my friends and do all those things you do when you first get your license. But it was also, it was complex. And then every once in a while, my parents would trust me with their car. And they're like, Michael, this isn't the Scout. It's not straight on its way to the dump. And you get in your parents' car, and you put the key in, and you turn it, and it just turns on. And you don't have to do anything with a clutch or anything. You just put it in drive, and you drive down the road. And it's like, oh, this is so easy. This is so nice. Right? But then what's crazy is I was enjoying this new car that I had, and everything about it, and like the AC and everything. It's so nice. But then you go and you like try to shift it. You try to move your gear shift, and you're like, that's not a good situation. And every once in a while, I try to hit the clutch, I'd find the brake pedal. And so suddenly you're just grabbing the brakes in the middle of the road, and you're like, this is a bad situation. What's going on here? And some of you guys might have had experiences like this. Some of you might have started with an old car and then finally found out what a new car is like. Now, other but there's other experiences that we can have like that. Like if you've ever had 
a boss at work that the way they judge your performance as an employee isn't really about how good you are at doing your job. It's about something random. Like, I had a boss once at a coffee shop where I figured out that it wasn't about making coffee. It was about looking like I was in motion. Anytime he walked by, he just needed to see me in motion. Like coffee machines, sometimes you have to stand there and just watch them work and wait for them. But if I was doing that, then he was going to be like, you're not doing your job. So I learned to keep a cloth next to me. I just wipe something next to me. I'd be wiping a perfectly clean counter. And he thought I was the best employee. And then you get a new boss, and suddenly they're not expecting you to do something crazy like wipe a perfectly clean counter. They actually just expect you to do your job. And you love that freedom, but occasionally you find yourself acting like a crazy person wiping a perfectly clean counter. Or maybe you had a teacher growing up where you figure, like, when people who had gone through the class before you, they'd be like, hey, just a warning, like, here's all the things you do to make this teacher happy. And you get used to doing all these things, and then you actually go to a class where you're just there to learn, and you're like, this is nice. It's so nice. Or if, you, if you're somebody with a phone, if you're one of those iPhone people, you, and you get all the new iPhones, remember when they switched to Face ID? So instead of having to type in your password, it just looks at your face, and it takes a picture, and it's kind of creepy. It just automatically takes a picture, and it opens up, and it unlocks. But you're not used to your new phone, and so you still find yourself typing in your password pointlessly. And you get into these habits, right? You get into the habit of this whole process you have to do. And then when the situation changes, sometimes you find yourself going into your old habits. Like imagine like if you had been in slavery and suddenly you were free, you probably would occasionally be looking over your shoulder going, where's somebody to boss me around? Like you keep expecting to have a slave master there again. And that's what Paul is talking about in this passage. Let's look at verse one again. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. That's interesting. Like, whenever I've read this passage, I've always just been like, this is pretty simple. Like, if I've been set free, I'm not going to go back to slavery, right? Like, this is really simple. Like, just stay free. Don't be like, oh, I want to be a slave again. But why does Paul write a whole passage about this? Maybe it's, maybe it's kind of like when you've been driving an old car, and suddenly you're driving a new car, and you don't need to hit the clutch, and you're hitting the brakes, and you're like, what? I'm falling back into slavery, I'm falling back into this. So I want to spend some time looking at what Paul describes here. What's going on? Let's continue on in the passage and see what he has for us. Because, well, none of us have come out of physical slavery, most likely. We've all come out of spiritual slavery, and God's calling us to stay free. So what does Paul say about this? Verse 2, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You've fallen away from God's grace. And it's interesting because outside of reading the Bible, I don't hear much about circumcision. And just a little bit of context, the Old Testament law, the law that 
those who practice Judaism that followed God before Christ came to earth. They, that whole law, kind of at the front of that law, was a physical commitment to following it. One of the main commands, one of the main commands that kind of defined it physically was cutting off a small part of your body. An incredibly painful, serious commitment to this law, right? And so when you reference circumcision, it's referencing this commitment to following this law. And why did people follow this law? Because God had given it to Moses to say, here's how those that want to follow me can have right relationship with me. Here's how you make yourself right with God and have right relationship. As you follow all these practices, these sacrifices, circumcision. But Paul's saying, don't practice circumcision. Don't practice the law anymore. If you want to be right with God, you don't need to practice that because Christ has come. It's like saying, don't try to hit the, use the clutch in a car without a clutch because you're going to find the brake pedal. It's saying, don't keep unlocking your iPhone with your password when it has face ID. It's saying, don't keep wiping a counter pointlessly when your boss doesn't expect that of you anymore. Paul's saying, let go of this. This is how you've always known how to be right with God. For thousands of years, they had practiced the law to be right with God. And suddenly God says, I've done something new. You don't need to do this anymore. But what's new? What's new? Let's look at verse 5. Paul says, but we who live by the Spirit, and hopefully that's us here today, eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. And so God is not saying you need to follow the system anymore. Christ came to earth and he said, I've come to bring freedom we're going to explore that. But this new system is really is interesting. We live by the Spirit eagerly, waiting to receive by faith the righteousness, the right relationship God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. So when Christ came, this, we'd had this whole system of how to be right with God. I think in our souls as humans, we tend to feel two things from the beginning of our lives. We feel that there's probably some God out there. We want to find that God. And we feel that we probably aren't in right relationship with that God. And we're trying to find the answer to that. And the law that had given the way to that right relationship with God. In your life, you've probably found, you probably tried different things to have a right relationship with God. But Christ came that we'd actually have right relationship because Jesus had right relationship. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law and say, the law is I'm going to throw the law in the trash. He said, I've come to complete the law. A key to the law was these sacrifices, this whole system of sacrifices. But you had to keep doing it over and over again because it was never completed. It wasn't perfect. And Christ said, I will be the perfect sacrifice. So the law is completed. It's fulfilled. It's not like getting a new car. It's like repairing taking the old car and repairing it and building it up. But it's so much better because it's Christ's work. So Christ came and said, I'm going to refresh this. 
I'm going to make this do. I'm going to complete this for you. All you have to do is receive the right relationship that I have with God that I want to give to you. It's great. But then Paul continues on. This really matters to Paul. Because Paul says, you are running the race so well. You are living in this freedom. But who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God. For he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. So I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? This is kind of the politics part. If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. That's interesting because I read a few different versions, a few different translations, and the New Living Translation is really nice at the end of this passage. Some of the other translations are a little bit more literal of what Paul said, and he said, basically, I wish instead of cutting off a small part when you circumcise yourself, if you're one of those false teachers, one of the people leading people back into slavery, that you would cut off the whole body part, which is really a little crass and not very church-appropriate language for him to be writing to a church. But why does Paul care so much? Why does he care so much? Like, when I've read this passage, I've just kind of skimmed over it. Like, I've kind of gone, oh, yeah, freedom in Christ is a nice idea. That's something that we put in our songs, like the first song this morning, where we're like, hey, we're free in Christ. It's nice. But why does it matter? What does this freedom, what difference does this freedom make? I think it points to the middle of this passage because freedom in Christ is not saying, hey, it's good news that you can be free. The Jews already had a way to right relationship with God. The church in Galatia had, before Christ, had a, right, a way to right relationship with God, but it was through this whole complex system. And Paul's saying, don't waste your time on that anymore. Christ has set you free so you can express yourself in love. So you can freely bring the kingdom, so I can freely work through you, so you can be a part of that, so you're not busy doing this whole system of the law, but you can actually, that law has been fulfilled, so now you can move forward into bringing my kingdom here to earth. So out of all of this, I think there's kind of two paths that we can look at. And out of those two paths, there's two actions that God may be calling you to. And the first path is the path to slavery. And the path to slavery can look different for different people. For the path to slavery for the church in Galatia was their past beliefs. They'd grown up their whole lives in Judaism. They'd been practicing it. And it was easy to fall back into it, even though God had done something new and given them a new opportunity. And for some of us, our past beliefs might sneak back in. Before you knew Jesus, before you were a follower of Jesus, did you have a system that you thought would make you right with God? Did you try to practice karma? Or do you think, hey, if I do enough good things, then God will like me? And maybe that sneaks back in. Maybe that's the path back into slavery for you, is that you start to, you might, in the back of your mind, be like, yeah, I don't need to do anything other than follow Jesus. But then in practice, you find yourself trying to make yourself right with God by something more than Jesus. That whole Jesus plus nothing, not Jesus plus karma, Jesus plus 
good works. So our past beliefs can lead us back into slavery, but also our present culture and our future plans can lead us back in. Because our present culture around us can put pressure on us to go, oh, if I want to be right with God, I need to do something more than what I'm doing, more than just trust in Jesus. Sometimes it's people around you in your work, your school, and it's kind of the world as we label it. But sometimes it can actually happen at church. Sometimes the present culture around you at church, you can take it on and add something on. Because if you've ever, you know, not read your Bible for a little while, or not prayed in a while, or maybe you even missed a few church services, have you ever felt distant from God after that? And kind of been like, I feel like I've been ignoring God for too long. I'm distant from God. I need to maybe like do some extra prayer, some extra Bible reading, or some extra volunteering to like get close to God again. That's Jesus plus prayer. That's Jesus plus reading the Bible. That's Jesus plus going to church. It's saying that Jesus sacrifice for you, the right relationship he's promised you, saying, I have a right relationship with God. I mean, I give that to you, that that's not quite enough, that to keep that, that you have to do more. And it's not that oftentimes slavery isn't the, a bad thing. The law wasn't a bad idea. The law was actually a great idea. We still practice a lot of the law as wise things to do and good ways to follow God. But the significance you place on it, the weight you place on it of do I need to do this before I have a right relationship with God? Is my relationship with God dependent on, on me doing this? That's where it becomes slavery. When you write a message, sometimes you know that I kind of wait for God to start convicting me. So if I start feeling convicted, that's generally a sign that I'm finding what God is speaking in it. And it wasn't the past beliefs that got me, and it wasn't the present culture that really got me. It was the future plans that got me. Because sometimes our future plans can actually become a form of slavery, adding something on, saying, Jesus plus completing my future plans will make me right with God. I don't know if you've ever been like, had that feeling when you're planning something that good that you're going to do, where you're like, I'm planning to do this for God. And once I do this for God, then we'll have that relationship. Then we'll be really close like I've always wanted. But we can't be close until I've done that. Like I've got to earn my way into that. And so sometimes our future plans can actually become a path into slavery, adding something more on than God has asked us to. Because God can inspire great future plans in us, but if we can't trust that right now he already has the best relationship with us, that he won't love us more or less, whether my plans for the future succeed or fail, whether I do great things for him or not, that doesn't change my relationship with him. But if you start to carry that weight of, I need to succeed in this, I need to do that, then your future plans can become a path into slavery. I said there were two paths. There's a path to slavery through our past beliefs coming back, the culture around, our present culture shaping us, maybe our future plans. And then there's the path to freedom. And the path to freedom, it's as simple as Jesus plus nothing. It's as simple as, and as difficult, it's as simple and as difficult as trusting the gift of right relationship that God has promised us. And sometimes we let go of that. But if you want to take the path to freedom, if you want 
to say, I want to stay on this path of freedom. Because most of us as followers of Jesus, when we first started following Jesus, we stepped into this path to freedom. We said, okay, I trust God. I have right relationship with him right now. It's so good. But then along the way, you start to feel weighed down by whatever slavery you start to carry. So sometimes you need to step back into that freedom. And it's interesting. I've had this image up here on the screen, and I said that this, this message, there's two paths, but I only see one path there, right? There's just one road down the middle. But if you've ever been with somebody that, like, have you, have you ever known somebody with a strong will? You could say they're stubborn, or you could say they're confident. There's different ways of describing them. And they're like, I make my own way. I forge my own path. I can be like that sometimes. Trust me, my wife can tell you about that. Jesus has said, and Paul is repeating and saying, Jesus has made a clear path for you. There's no arduous trek through the law. There's no arduous system of good and bad deeds. There's no arduous process along the way. Jesus has cleared a straight path for you so you can live in the freedom of Christ. But we like to step off into the woods and go, but I feel like I need to have to fight through some ferns and some trees and some branches and maybe a swamp to really be following Christ. And we add that slavery on and we make our own path. The path of slavery is anything other than the center there. And so God's calling us potentially to two actions. There can be the action of repenting of whatever slavery you've taken on yourself. Because... You might be, it might be something that you know is a false belief, but it also might be something that is a good thing that you've put the wrong weight on. And you've said, to follow, to really be right with God, I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to do this other thing. And God's saying, no, I did it for you. Let go of that. So there may need to be a repentance of letting go of that. On the other side, sometimes it's just hard to commit to that path because like this looks like daylight. I think that really following Christ in freedom, he says there's a path there. He promises there's a path there. But it feels like doing it in the pitch black with no moon out in the dark. And you're just trusting as you take each step forward that he's really made that pathway there for you. So for some of us, God may be saying, hey, there's a slavery that you need to repent of. But for others, he may be saying, hey, you need to commit to this trust. You need to commit to having this faith and trusting that I'm going to give you this right relationship. So I want to take a moment to let God speak to us. Because I can talk and talk and talk, but sometimes we need to listen for what God has to say to us. So I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then we're going to spend a moment in quiet, just listening if God's calling you to repentance in that. If God's saying, hey, there's a slavery that you've let yourself come under, and I want to take that off of you. Repent, bring that to me. Let go of it. And there might, be, there might be this element of going, God, I'm not going to slavery, but I'm also struggling to trust you. And you need to just ask for him to work in that. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll have a moment to listen and maybe respond to God in this. Lord, it's amazing that you have freed us from the law 2,000 years ago. You completed the law. You fulfilled the law. And you said, I have set you free so you can live 
out the love that I've created you for. I can live out that kingdom. But we keep struggling to fall back into slavery or find a new form of slavery. And sometimes we just struggle to trust that gift that you've given us. So if there's anything that you want to free us from, if there's anything that you want to speak into our lives, we just want to spend a moment listening for your voice and responding in whatever way that you call us to, God. Lord, we thank you that you keep speaking, that you keep working, that as we're humble before you, we offer our lives up as a sacrifice to you. You continue to transform us and lead us in a life that looks more like you and less like who we used to be. We thank you for what you may have spoken in this moment, what you're encouraging us to do in this life. In your name, amen. The thing that really stood out to me was I wasn't that excited about freedom in Christ. I was like, okay, that's nice, but what's, what's going on here? But when we repent of the slaveries we can find ourselves in, when we repent of the things that we're adding on to have a right relationship with God, when we trust in the freedom Jesus has given us, we're to find, I love it. I want to just look at, the, at what Paul said. Let's look at that. Paul said, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. And when we're not in the slavery of doing this or doing that to be right with God, then our faith leads to being able to freely express the love of God in the world around us. We're free to love our families. We're free to love our friends, our people at school, people at work. You're free to love that boss who's incredibly difficult to love. You're free to love that driver next to you that's incredibly difficult to love. You're free to let God shape your heart to even have love and focus on that towards a person who's hard to have a relationship with. When Christ came in the Gospels and he said, I've come to set you free and to bring this kingdom, he was saying, I've completed the law. And the law could be summed up in love God and love your neighbors. I've completed the law so that you can focus on actually living out that call to love your neighbors. The second half of this chapter digs into it. I want to, I want to go there. I won't. I promise I won't go there. But the fruit of the Spirit is that expression of what God has given us freedom for. So we get to look forward to seeing what God has given us freedom for in the coming weeks. So, the words of Paul, Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. All right, I'm going to close this up in prayer. God, thank you so much that you have given everything to set us free, to give us the opportunity to live life fully alive as humans were created to live in your freedom, in your power, in your spirit, Lord. I pray that we continually be faithful to let go of the slaveries that we can so easily get entangled in, and that we trust the freedom that you've given us, that you would continue to grow your character in us, that we'd reflect your love into this world more and more. In your name, amen. All right, well, that wraps up the service. Um, it's been awesome getting to be here with you this Sunday. And if you'd like to get coffee or anything, feel free to get coffee, make friends. If you need to get to know anybody, be like, hey, I've got coffee, let's be friends. 
um, and have a great Sunday.